0: Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 863 of I Doubt it Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly Brittany Page, everybody.
1: Well, I, I was just thinking of how we get ready to do this on camera now, yeah. and I'm always thinking about, like, there's rules for things that you're supposed to wear on camera, and I think I'm breaking...
0: With, like, zebra stripes?
1: Well, these aren't zebra stripes. No, like the
0: camera, there will be an effect on it where it's like... Well,
1: because I'm wearing stripes right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think certain kind of stripes are okay, and then certain kinds of stripes are not ideal for camera. What do
0: we know? Who knows?
1: I certainly don't know. That's what I'm... (laughs) I'm seeking some consultation right now. You're giving me nothing. Yeah, I I don't know.
0: I mean, I know that there are certain patterns that make the camera freak out a little bit.
1: Okay, well, hopefully...
0: And if it does, you know, hey, look, just extra entertainment for the audience (laughs) on YouTube.
1: Okay, Uh, I guess we will hope for that. I think that the audience is pretty divided on enjoying hearing us talk in the beginning about non-political things versus wanting us to move it along. There seems to be, I I wouldn't say 50-50, I don't know what the breakdown would be, but certainly we get a decent amount of communication suggesting that, hey... Shut your mouths. Move it along.
0: Well, that's not what we do, or nor what we have done for 863 consecutive episodes over the course of over nine years. We have built an audience that enjoys the the pitter patter of our lives in the very initial stages of the show. We call it the intro. <laughs> uh, it's hard just to jump right into terrible things that are happening in the world and some good. Yeah. But yeah. You know, people have grown accustomed and seem to like uh, the preponderance of the audience seems to enjoy the intro se- to segment of the show
1: yeah so on that note we <laughs> we have scheduled sweepy's spay surgery our our english bulldog is our little girl growing up (laughs) she she completed her first heat and bled everywhere and now three full weeks now she is ready to be spayed so if anyone has gone through this with their dog i would love to hear what was helpful for you in in the dog recovering because i want to be as prepared as possible i've already started reading so hopefully i'm going to be prepared just by my reading but i'm interested to hear from the audience too what their experiences have been with their own animals
0: when you've done this as long as we have and you've built the uh, an audience as large or as small or whatever the size that we have you uh, invariably have people in different fields like when we were talking about genealogy and we have a a genealogist uh, uh, who helps us navigate it's the same with this audience we have or it's the same with this topic with this audience we have veterinary professionals in the audience who have reached out and continue to. It's been a, a nice resource to have. So yeah. thank you, audience. Um, let's move on. How about that? We'll we'll placate very quickly that section of the audience that fucking hates listening to us talk about our personal lives. <laughs> And we'll get to some listener communication. Yes. Before we do, though, I want to drop the phone number and invite you to communicate with the show. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. Shall we start with email or shall we start with voicemail, Brittany Page.
1: Well, we're actually going to start with thanking our Patreon supporters because Mm. they are a huge part of what makes this show possible. Yes. So quit trying to move past it. I
0: know. You got me all dis... The audience has me discombobulated. When I hear that they don't like the intro segment, I just don't know what to do.
1: Okay. So thank (laughs) you to our new Patreon supporters, Connie D.
0: Connie D.
1: Reggie B. Reggie B. And W
0: Y W y
1: it is yw y
0: w <laughs>
1: wow <laughs> i think i Found a new problem that I have. So thank you to our new Patreon supporters. We we very much appreciate you. Could not do the show without you. One of the main perks of becoming a Patreon supporter is that you do have access to the ad-free version of the show, whether that is through access to the RSS feed link that you then copy and put into whatever podcatcher you use to listen to your podcasts, or you listen to it right on Patreon. We are also preparing to do regular bonus content and the first thing that we're going to do the first bonus content is a Q&A which will yeah. be only for Patreons so Q only for a Patreon or, supporters or
0: AMA however you prefer it referred
1: of course yes so if you want to support the show you are interested in doing so you are able to do so if you are not in a financial position to do so please do not put it in your budget at all
0: so uh the other thing i want to talk about relative to patreon very quickly is we are in a mode where we're going to kind of revamp what the perks are for the show and we would love feedback um there are certain things that we do like we do a monthly uh patreon zoom hangout which is less popular than i thought it would and we've done that for years and it's seeming to get less and less popular over time so um, we're gonna revamp and we wanna we wanna hear from you. You can write to us on Patreon. If you're not yet a patron, but you'd like to be and you have ideas, we wanna hear from you too. So again, I doubt it at Dollamore.com and six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast.
1: So we're gonna start with a message that we received on Patreon actually from a new patron, Patreon supporter, Jesse F. Jesse writes Jesse F. writes I wrote a couple of notes while listening this morning Hope you guys don't mind This is about our previous episode First, thanks for bringing up the Anna Kasparian absurd rant about inclusive language, which is used to refer to groups of people, not individuals. It was really fucking disappointing. She's supposed to be intelligent, yet a simple Google search would have explained the concept. My other note was me getting angry about those man on the street interviews. It's always the same here in Australia. The reporters interview people who criticize the current elected official who hasn't led to their wages increasing. It's so silly to think that any one person can change global financial systems within one term. But my main criticism of those people is the fact that they're solely focused on their own self or their own financial situation. While I completely understand the struggle of being poor, I'm on a disability pension. There are huge numbers of people whose life is at risk. I really hate how individualism has become the norm because that goes against the whole purpose of a society. Anyway, this was a really great episode, guys. I love that you get people thinking about this stuff. I think it can make a big difference.
0: Thank you for the email fantastic it's 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 one of the benefits of doing what we do, getting to hear from people not just in the United States where the policies policies that we discuss directly impact the people here but people outside the country also who have a completely different take, often a similar take um and we see policies that work across the across the globe that we are reticent to enact or incapable of enacting because of our our differences and the political makeup of, of the United States. So thank you for the email. I'm, um, equally frustrated with many of the things that you talked about.
1: Yes, and thank you for being a Patreon supporter. We also got an email from Tom in San Diego. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's quite lengthy, but uh, the point of it is that we should consider interviewing Marianne Williamson, and this Mm. was actually a common theme with messages that we received in response to the previous episode because we talked about people who are currently running for president and I think in one of the clips that you chopped up, because you put the full episode up on YouTube, mm-hmm. and then you chop it up into individual clips of of different segments. Yeah, more
0: easily consumable.
1: Yes. Not everybody
0: has an hour and 20 minutes, or however long an episode is, to sit through and listen to the whole thing, so we clip it.
1: Yeah, so in some part of that, we did talk about Marianne Williamson, and then I think in one of the clips that you clipped, we didn't mention her as one of the candidates, so people got upset about that. But... According to Tom in San Diego here, uh, Tom does not believe we are giving Marianne Williamson a fair shake.
0: I assure you we are giving her a fair shake.
1: Tom says, I've heard you and a few other progressive pundits dunk on her at least a few times without presenting much evidence to back up the criticisms, while other respected and highly knowledgeable commentators uh, believe that she is a strong candidate.
0: Does he name those highly respected and knowledgeable Commentators in the email?
1: Yes, Kyle Kalinske and Crystal Ball. Okay. So...
0: Okay. Okay. Um, listen, uh, Marianne Williamson, there's a lot to criticize. Sure, There's. I'm sure there's things that we could say that are positive, that she seems to be a compassionate individual, but Marianne Williamson is a grifter. Ma- Marianne Williamson is a, a guru type. Marianne Williamson is critical... Of science, she is critical of vaccines, she has called clinical depression a scam. She is woo is what she is in human form so to to elevate her as a legitimate candidate for President of the United States isn't something that we're going to take part in here, just because she espouses support for policies that are good and decent. And, and things that we should uh, uh, pursue, like Medicaid for all, uh, Medicare for all, wh- that doesn't mean that she is qualified or capable of being president. I also advocate for those policies. I also think war is terrible. I also think love is good. That doesn't mean that I'm qualified or capable of being president of the United States of America. So I think we are going to dedicate some time and do either a full show or a large portion of a show dedicated to her and to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, so we can really get to the bottom of what our problems are with these particular people. We're not going to do it today because uh, much to people's chagrin or misunderstanding of how what it takes to do a, a podcast or a show like this, there's a lot of prep. And we're not just giving opinions based on whatever – we are we're giving them based on the, the the facts that we know. And we want to present those um and we wanna do it well.
1: Yeah. So I don't know Kyle Kalinske or Crystal Ball. I don't watch that content. I don't know I don't know who what their opinion is. I know of them. I don't know what yeah. they have said. So I haven't really been following that. But I, I will say that I think people listen to the show and they're like, Why aren't they interviewing Marianne Williamson? Why aren't they interviewing these people? And it's like, listen <laughs> We just talked about the other day that we had an unexpected cancellation. Like, we are on a consistent rolling basis trying to get people booked, and it is very complicated. We have booked a member of Congress. We're not going to say who we have booked, but uh, that person ended up canceling as well at the last minute because they had to go and, and tend to business.
0: Postponing. Yes. We rescheduled.
1: Yeah, but and then they rescheduled a month out. Right, so, like, right. these these things are difficult, and it isn't just a matter of calling them up and saying, hey, come on the show. It's, you know, it's difficult. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I just want to put that out there because I think sometimes people think like, well, why aren't they talking to these people? Why aren't they calling them for comment? And it's like, it's not, it's not as Listen, easy Listen, if you
0: that- have a connection to Marion Williamson, we, want, we would love to have her in studio. I would love to interrogate some of her terrible ideas uh, about things that are important, maybe not to the presidency, but if you're someone who believes clinical psycho- uh, clinical depression is a scam, that it doesn't exist, and a, a legitimate, diagnosable psychological condition that leads to suicide often, and you think it's a scam and you're saying that publicly, look, I, if she would sit across from us and have a conversation about it, I'd love to do that but uh, it's it's not as easy as many people think so
1: well and before we move on one more thing i want to add to that is you you kind of had a reaction i guess to the emailer tom saying Kyle Kalinske and Crystal Ballin. i don't know their content yeah. but you i well, guess well
0: here's the deal there's a clip going around that i've seen that uh, i it aggravates me a lot and it's it's Kyle talking about how Bernie is cucking himself to Biden And we're seeing this this movement in progressive commentator land of of people jumping on the Marianne uh, Williams bandwagon. And to denigrate Bernie Sanders for understanding politics and knowing that Marianne Williamson doesn't have a shot, she is, to call her a, a dark horse candidate is just not doing it justice. She's polling in maybe not even single digits right now, she doesn't have a chance to be president of the United States. And I don't know what the motivation is. I don't know if it's just a lack of fundamental understanding of of the American political landscape, but to denigrate Bernie for getting on the Joe Biden bandwagon, if that's what you want to call it, and say he's cucking himself, and using conservative language surrounding it, conservative... Um, talking points and and saying you're cucked and i mean what's next calling him a a biden tard i mean it's just shitty and so yeah you know, i've got a bad taste in my mouth right now uh, about kyle kolinsky i don't fucking know that guy we've never talked we've never emailed but it's irritating so yeah I i wear my emotions on my sleeve
1: So there is a Twitter thread that we shared on our social media profiles that was written by at Julian M. Walker, Julian with one L. If you are interested in some of the Marianne Williamson uh, stuff that is a problem, I would recommend going and, and checking out the thread that Julian M. Walker wrote about Marianne Williamson. Now listen, it seems to be that you can't really have nuance when you have these conversations. If you are criticizing Marianne Williamson, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., then you are a Biden stan, and, and right. you, you love him, and you know you're so excited that he's running again. Uh, we are
0: not in any sense that.
1: And again, at all. it's starting to get a little. It's already. I'm already getting drained by having to have these conversations because I think everyone is so tense and everyone is like in survival mode and everyone is afraid of what is going to happen and everyone wants more progressive policies and they want help and they want things to improve and it's a scary time. But I think we all need to kind of take a breath and check maybe some of the desperation that we're feeling and try to approach these topics with some sort of... I don't know. I don't know what word I'm looking for. I I'm, I'm just it's, it's I get it and
0: you know that applies to me as much as it applies to anybody else. Getting irritated and and uh the black and white and everything else. That that's to me too.
1: Yeah, so let's have a palate cleanser with uh, an emailer sending us some praise, because we always love (laughs) to be praised and told we're doing a good job. (laughs) Um, Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for being such rock solid allies to trans people. I'm trans myself, and it's been quite scary out there lately. Y'all have been giving me comfort, though. I enjoy Brittany dismantling anti-trans talking points with replies that are thoroughly researched, scientifically accurate, and respectfully worded. I can tell she's put in a lot of work to try to understand what it means to be trans and what issues trans people are facing. I also enjoy Jesse passionately insulting transphobia and the low levels of intelligence, integrity, and morality one needs to have in order to harbor such beliefs. Transphobes should be shamed and ashamed thank you both for being strong allies and thank you for using your platform to counter the anti-trans movement please keep it up you are making a difference much love yarrow in ohio
0: yarrow uh thank you for the email we we appreciate that sentiment very much um listen we're, we're not heroes for for advocating for human rights it's it's what everyone it is the it's the fucking bare minimum is standing up for human rights it's one of the reasons why, and I don't want this to turn into bash other progressive commentator day, but it's one of the reasons it bothers me so much that uh, Anna Kasparian has said what she said and is still holding to her guns, and and Jank supporting that and not and backing her up on that. It's all it takes is a modicum of compassion and understanding that all of the rhetoric right now surrounding the issue of trans rights, you either are an ally or you're second-guessing and leading people to to, to give them permission to question whether trans rights are human rights. Uh, and listen, on this show, you are never going to catch us punching down, ever. We will always punch up and question authority. We're not going to be putting people who are already marginalized in a situation of fearing more for their lives.
1: Well, let's say it like this. If you do catch us punching down... We want to hear about that because that's not something we want to be doing. Yeah, more and I accurate. think I think that's what the more difficult aspect of the whole Casparian tweet was for me was the uh, we're never going to apologize if you think we're going to retract this statement, right? Because as soon as she tweeted the tweet about uh, not wanting to be called a birthing person or whatever it was. The right wing started saying, oh boy, wait wait until the left starts coming after you now that you've said the truth, right? A lot of
0: retweets from Matt Walsh's and other uh, anti-trans bigots.
1: And the point I'm trying to make is that when you double down on that and say we're never going to apologize for what we said, it's just a strange position to take because we can be wrong and it's important to acknowledge that we can be wrong. We can say the wrong thing and that we should be making an effort to be lifelong learners who are working to improve and ensure yeah. that we are pushing out the correct information and that we're not, you know, spreading misinformation. So we always try to do that on this show. Sometimes we don't get it right, but we appreciate that we have uh, respectful, <laughs> kind-hearted listeners who call in and uh, help us get it right. But I will say we don't appreciate the people that uh, leave some of the messages, some of the hateful ones. Well,
0: listen, and we can we can leave it at this. Um, it, it is when there's so much heat right now around the trans issue and so much bigotry to fuel that fire or at least to give oxygen to the fire of anti-trans rhetoric by saying don't call me a, a birthing person i'm a woman when no one's doing that it's like a controversy for the controversy's sake I just, I don't understand it. And it, uh, it bothers me when someone I, you know, admired or looked up to, or I had some modicum of respect for in the past, um, steps on it so thoroughly. So, uh, it is uh, a bummer. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. 464 7609 You can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to, I doubt it at com. Let's go with one voicemail and then we'll move on.
2: Yes, ma'am which know is in response to uh, Brittany's piece on Jordan Neely and how he was killed on the subway in New York. I just finished watching it and it was very upsetting to me. Um, I'm a mental health professional from uh, living in Tennessee right now and I've practiced in Tennessee and Texas. And the amount of ignorance exhibited by people who don't understand mental health and mental health issues sometimes is amazing or appalling. Um, it's very sad that this happened to the young, to young man, and there was no need to do that. I know, in my experience, in most cases, you can talk most people down, especially if they're unarmed. So, I just don't understand it. It's a very sad day. Uh, thank you for caring so much, Brittany, and for what you do, and you too, Jesse. My name is Neil Bogart. I'm from tennessee i'm an rn and a bsm with 10 years of experience in mental health thank you both for what you do have a good evening bye
1: well thank you to neil and thank you neil for your work in the field and it is so important to have people who care who are compassionate who are working in the field. So so thank you to Neil. I think that Neil brings up an important point particularly about people not being educated on mental health, mental illness, mental health crises and how to respond to those things. You know, I I in my years of of work as a therapist, I worked at an inpatient psychiatric hospital and when I went to my initial training to start working there, The trainer was very direct in saying, if you are here because you think you're going to fight somebody or you're trying to be a tough guy or you're going to beat someone's ass, then here's the door. And he walked over and he literally opened the door and said, now's your time to leave because you are dealing with people who are going to push your buttons. They are going to be difficult to work with. Um, They are not well and you need to be approaching this from a place of compassion, ready to help. And and healthcare. And healthcare yeah. and a lot of the the conservatives that we've been hearing from and we're going to go through this whole Jordan Neely situation, the 30-year-old black man that was uh, choked to death on a train in New York City on Monday. And A lot of the conservatives keep talking about, you know, well, what would you do if you saw someone acting erratically and, and quote unquote, threatening people? That hasn't been confirmed. We don't know what was actually being said. But, you know, I wouldn't murder somebody. We can start there. And uh, I, as a woman existing in public, I have been harassed. I, I have had my personal space invaded. And it's far more likely to happen at the hands of someone wearing a polo who's clean cut than it is someone who's in a mental health crisis. And in fact, that has happened. My last interaction being harassed on the Metro was a man wearing a polo who was pressing his body against mine, even though he had enough room to not be doing that and I asked him to move since he had room and he did temporarily and then resumed being on my body and so I physically moved him off of my body because that's how I operate and (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, you know he stopped doing it at that point but they keep acting like the only people that are threats are the unhoused and the unhoused are not are not necessarily threats just because they're unhoused, people can be acting erratic. People can be having a crisis. But there's a way to handle that that de-escalates the conflict, and there's a way to handle that that escalates the conflict. And approaching someone and getting them at a chokehold for 15 minutes, I would say that's escalating a conflict.
0: Well, especially given this Marine, ostensibly uh, this Marine veteran's training, you know what you're doing. You know the kind of force that's that's necessary to incapacitate someone and to kill someone. So I'm I have a harsh take about this Marine, if that's what he is, because he has extensive training because when you train in the Marine Corps in boot camp, in your training, you you go through you fight one another. It's so they don't want you to kill a fellow Marine. They're telling you the limits that you know what to look for. When someone goes limp, you know it's time to release. And being homeless and being mentally ill, if, if that is indeed what happened here, isn't a death sentence. It shouldn't be a death sentence. You're, we've been on the metro here in D.C. several times where someone is acting menacing, quote-unquote. They're homeless. They're clearly uh, or, or ostensibly in a mental health crisis, going through some kind of psychosis. You, if I was to choke someone every time something went down like that, it would be chaos on the Metro. Yeah. this He didn't... All witness accounts that we know of, he didn't put his hands on anyone. Right. He was yelling that he was hungry and he was thirsty.
3: And, and he and, died.
1: And tired and that he, I think, wanted to go back to jail. And that's a common sentiment that you hear right. because that's where you can get some rest. You yeah. can have a place of quote-unquote safety because you are locked in a place, you get a meal, you get a bed. And that's the other thing is people keep bringing up his record as though somehow we like live in minority report and everyone knew preemptively that he was about to commit a crime. Like he
0: had his arrest record pinned to his shirt or something.
1: Right. Or even if his arrest record would mean that he deserves to be choked to death on the subway. It's just zero
0: compassion. We
1: have criminalized homelessness in this country. You, um, public urination because you can't find anywhere to go to the bathroom, open container because you have to be in public. You can't go and drink in private. Uh, loitering, trespassing when a business decides they don't want you there anymore. There's all kinds of uh laws that can be used against homeless people. And then I heard Fox News, we're going to get to that clip later Brian Kilmeade talking about that that the um that Jordan Neely had been accused of lashing out at a cop or something and it's like again yeah. we just talked in the last episode about this former San Francisco fire commissioner who the original story was that he had been beaten by an unhoused man in an unprovoked attack and then we find out oh he's been bear spraying uh, unhoused people in the face while they sleep
0: right.
1: allegedly he's
0: the attacker of homeless people allegedly right. allegedly allegedly
1: and
3: allegedly. We're fucking allegedly allegedly <laughs>
1: we're far more likely to hear those stories the stories of the art gallery owner spraying a hose on an unhoused right. woman the the bear spray attacks against the unhoused and it's i've just been so exhausted reading the responses to this story but i want to get into where we are with the story
0: Democracy. facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism
1: so we're going to get deeper into this story including kind of where we are now with it and some of the conservative responses to it because i think it's important to talk about that but first let's just talk about where we are with the case
4: Absolutely. And from, you know, watching that video and hearing from some of those people, they are certainly divided here. And, you know, we're also hearing from Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul. They also have different stances on this matter. This also comes as the NYPD is urging any witnesses to come forward with any information. Black lives matter! Black lives matter! no dignity in what we saw. There was no humanity in what we saw. Emotions remain high after a subway rider choked a homeless man to death. That's it, that
3: young man lost his life.
4: Demonstrators gathered outside Barclays Center to express outrage over the death of 30-year-old Jordan Neely. Governor Hochul saying this about the matter. It became very clear that you know he was not going to cause harm to these other people. And the, the video of three individuals holding him down until Mm -hmm. the last breath was snuffed out of him. I would say it was a very extreme response. Neely was a subway performer. He also had a history of mental illness and had more than 40 prior criminal arrests, including for assault. According to witnesses, the day of his death, Neely was acting erratically and harassing passengers when police got the initial 911 call. Video shows a 24-year-old Marine veteran holding Neely in a chokehold while other subway riders restrained him before he died. Police did question the Marine seen in the video and released him without charges. The medical examiner's office ruled Neely's death a homicide. The DA's office is investigating and will determine if charges are brought.
3: I'm really pleased that the district attorney is looking
4: into this matter. As I said, there had to be consequences and so we'll see how this unfolds but uh, his family deserves justice. Mayor Adams taking a different approach. He says he's withholding judgment until the DA's office finishes their investigation
2: i have faith in the criminal justice system and i'm going to let the process take its place and those who believe uh that i should do something differently i respect that but um i have to make the right decision for the city of new york
4: Adams is pushing back on reports that it took 15 minutes for officers to get to the subway and perform CPR on Neely. The mayor went on to say he did check in with Commissioner Sewell, and he says it took about six minutes for officers to get to the subway. We are live in Soho. Rosanna and Bianca will send things back inside.
3: All right, Lissette, thank you so much for the report.
1: So, Jordan Neely's death was ruled a homicide. But there is a distinction there because homicide doesn't necessarily mean like murder. There's different types of methods by which a homicide occurs. And so this case is going to go to a grand jury likely next week, is what the reporting is saying. And the grand jury will determine whether criminal charges are warranted and if so, what exactly they will be.
0: Let me say this. I've... I I have been critical and continue to be critical of the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. I think he's uh, a crystal fascist. I think he's terrible, but I don't fault him in this case. I, he has to. You have to let the investigation play out. If he starts calling for criminal charges before the, uh, the a, a fulsome investigation has been done, he would be um, irresponsible as mayor. But it doesn't take away people's outrage of this incident being one in a long line of of marginalized people who are killed for really just existing.
1: Yeah, and this is a a dangerous precedent. That's why it's so alarming to see so many conservatives defending it online. And listen, if you're not on the cesspool that is Twitter, number one, congratulations. (laughs) Number two, you are unaware that the conservative approach to this has been defending the actions of the ex-Marine or the former Marine. Let's, Let's talk about that, by the way, because... There are some reports starting to identify who this could be, and they aren't coming from large media outlets, so I'm kind of waiting to talk about the name, but what's strange about this case, and and I don't want to be conspiratorial about it, is that the only thing that we knew immediately was that Jordan Neely was unhoused, erratic, you know we knew a dangerous lot about dangerous
0: criminal record all out there 40 whatever arrests
1: right his criminal record and then we knew that a former marine took action and choked him right. to death and it's strange that it's taken so long for the marine's name to be released if if in fact this person that has been identified as of today is the actual person that that choked jordan neely to death it's just strange the unequal Uh, amount of information that came out why was the person who committed the act of violence largely not reported on and we know everything about Jordan Neely and and his background
0: similar to what happened with George Floyd the the drug use the criminal history whatever and then Derek Chauvin a six-year eight-year whatever year veteran of the force it's it's by design and the question really i think should be who's the one releasing the information is it the police trying to get ahead of make this guy some kind of a hero venerate him as a former united states marine veteran a patriot american and then the victim is being just trashed all thre- especially on fox news especially in conservative media but he is being vilified his life is being called into question. His value to our society is just front and center.
1: Yeah, and really I think that there's an important conversation to be had about Jordan Neely's life and the things that he experienced when... He was 14 years old. His mother was murdered and her body was found in a suitcase and he testified at the trial
3: as a teenager
1: about the violence that occurred in the relationship because she was killed by her her boyfriend. And so he was then placed into foster care after that event and he aged out of foster care and he was a talented Michael Jackson impersonator and performed in the subways of New York City and in Times Square. And he lived a very difficult life. He had childhood trauma. He aged out of foster care. And I guess for me, when I'm listening to people like Jesse Waters or Matt Walsh or Brian Kilmeade or Greg Gutfeld take your pick, I would like to see them have the life experiences that Jordan Neely had and try to become who they are now. Yeah. Because they have, and they'll never admit it, Privileges, benefits that came along to them that helps them get to the position of power they are now in where they can look down on the unhoused and tell them that they chose this. It's like the just world hypothesis come to life with this case where everyone's looking for ways to explain how Jordan Neely deserves what was handed to him because right. we, we live in a just world, right? Uh, we don't. And I... I'm so disgusted by people who learn of Jordan Neely's background and use it against him rather than use it to inform their empathy for him and other people like him who are born into difficult situations and find themselves unable to get out.
0: Didn't choose anything related to what the the cards that were dealt to him.
1: Right. And I I think it's important to hear from people who knew him like a a friend of Jordan Neely who recently gave an interview on CNN with Abby Phillips. Their name is Moses Harper.
3: A few moments left, but what do you want to see happen here? The same thing that happens that I've seen multiple times when someone uh, commits fare evasion and they get arrested instantly. Well, someone murdered someone in the train station. They need to be arrested. A murder, I can ask five-year-olds in a kindergarten class, what do you think should happen? And it's common sense mathematics. You don't need a degree to figure out what needs to happen. Accountability. 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 Uh, and I've uh, been in positions where I'm amidst high-risk populations that are armed and intending to do harm and, and worse to each other and been able to de-escalate a situation by using compassion, reason, logic, And knowing how to approach a situation responsibly, I refuse to believe that the Marines are represented by people who would do something like this. This is not how we treat. This is not how we're supposed to treat people, even when they're in the state where they're having an episode. They're supposed to use intelligence and compassion and know how to talk to each other.
1: And And that really is true. And I think that Neil was touching on that in the voicemail from earlier, yeah. where a lot of this comes down to basic decency and respect. And I think a lot of times in our society, we just try to avoid people having mental health crises. And you know, that's that's fine. if you're if you're you're not up to the task, you don't feel like you can intervene and you just want to kind of, tuck your head down and go about your day that's fine i think that respect and compassion go a long way though and many of us can say that we have been in the presence of someone having a mental health crisis or acting erratic and nothing has happened to us as a result of that it is very rare that there's going to be violence in a situation like that just statistically speaking People who are experiencing mental health crisis are far more likely to be victims of violence than to perpetrate violence. So that is an important point.
0: A lot of this boils down to, unfortunately, who has value in our society, who we value, who we lift up as worthy. You did a video about this just the other day on YouTube. And some of the comments were... Distressing. Oh, yeah. That, well, what if this veteran has PTSD, giving space for this killer's mental health uh, needs Mm -hmm. or problems if Mm -hmm. they exist, and then completely discounting those of Jordan Neely. Right. So, listen, if this killer does have PTSD, that is also a problem that needs to be addressed. On a wholesale, uh, from a wholesale perspective from the United States government. We need to back up our veterans and treat them for the maladies that they come home with Mm -hmm. from combat. Mm -hmm. We need that. That is something that we, I'm not going to ignore that either. But it doesn't take away from the real life lived experiences of Jordan Neely and his very real problems that he's carried with him until the day he was killed in the subway in new york city.
1: Yeah, that's a super important point. And I also want to say that I don't want to be I don't want to be a person who keeps saying like, "Oh, I've I've worked with this population. I've worked in a psych hospital. Everyone should feel just as comfortable as me in these situations." I totally understand why people would feel uncomfortable and afraid in situations where someone is acting erratic and acting in a way that they are not familiar with or comfortable with. However, I I think there is a difference between being safe and feeling safe. People have the right to be safe on public transportation, but I don't think we can guarantee a feeling of safety. Feeling safe, yeah. is going to be informed by so many different things. Well, I
0: look at it from the perspective of my, my feeling safe. I feel safe just about everywhere, right. but that's not the case for you. We're different. Right. We're we look different. We I am you know six three. Two hundred and seventy pounds, you're not.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're you're
0: you know, it's it's just different.
1: I mean I'm five ten, so I'm close. <laughs> 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 um yeah, it's informed by your gender, your sex, your identification, your whether or not you're racist. Quite frankly, yeah. you know, if you view black people as a threat to your being, then that's going to inform how f- safe you feel. Right. Um, there's a lot of different factors that go into feelings, and I think when we start talking about feelings, it gets a little messy, right? Someone can make you feel uncomfortable, but what does that mean? That doesn't mean that you get to choke them. Well, to death. also,
0: I would, I would, I know you're using colloquialism when you say "make you feel." No one made that guy feel uneasy. He felt uneasy as a result of something, and I would say he overreacted. Given all the information we have right now, that no one is claiming that Jordan Neely put his hands on somebody, and unless he put his hands on somebody, you don't get to tackle someone to the ground, have a group of individuals pin him down, and then choke the air and, and as a result, the life out of him.
1: And I think this is a good opportunity for people to reflect Even if you don't live in a big city like D.C., like New York, reflect on what you might do if you are in the presence of someone who is experiencing a mental health crisis. When you feel uncomfortable, what is your plan going to be? How would you approach that situation? But also, what are you going to do if someone puts their hands on somebody and they shouldn't yeah. be putting their hands on somebody because the car full of people who did nothing while the Marine choked someone for 15 minutes, yeah. uh, that's really alarming.
0: L- Listen, it is... I, I just can't... I want to communicate how many times I have been on the Metro here in D.C. and there has been conflict like this. And it didn't result in someone being choked. It it just... it's this was out of line and if 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 the people on the subway they didn't step in and say hey 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 that's enough they failed too we failed collectively jordan neely
1: yeah so we're unfortunately going to pivot to the conservative response which i think is important to talk about because it has been very disturbing to say the least rapid and-
0: Rapid and disturbing. Yeah. Um, they wasted no time demonizing Jordan Neely. It it is... They're, they're giving their audience permission to be the absolute worst version of themselves that they can.
1: Yeah, and we're going to start with Greg Gutfeld.
5: Would AOC or anybody on the squad or... What's his name? Chris Hayes? Anybody like that? Would they actually step in, right? I have to wonder, would they actually... You know would they see somebody being menaced by a violent felon would they actually try and intervene or would they decide not to share the risk and just step away because metaphorically that's what they've been doing for the last five years so they're disgusting uh if anybody says this is like george floyd no it's because of george floyd because since george floyd we've had the resulting chaos the defunding the emasculation of the police uh egged on by the squad by the media by different media outlets except cnn they that created the pathway and a void where you saw fewer police and you have and who had to fill the void and we predicted this citizens were going to fill the void we were going to talk we didn't use the v word because everybody hated that word but what was going to happen was there was going to be a moment where somebody has to make a choice so about those bystanders i think there were three guys and i don't think they were all white right i don't know they had to make a decision on their own. There was no police. They were adult men. It was on them a chance to act. And it was and they chose to act. And I support the fact that they thought people were in trouble. Uh, the left is emasculated law enforcement. These are the only Jeez. people you can rely on. The message is if you can't rely on them, get, you can't even take the subway anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a textbook person that would have been helped by the eight hundred million dollars that somehow yeah. disappeared, disappeared. Right. Yep. There is was there money in this city for the homeless. What did the de Blasio's do with it? This guy had 40 arrests, violence. He was a danger to others. And when he's a danger to others, he becomes a danger to himself. Right. But they didn't give a shit about him. Nope. None of the none of the liberals gave a damn. They didn't because this was crime to them became a political idea. So screw you when you're on the subway. And then finally they find a crime and they, they can they, they can manipulate it. But. This is not the start of the story, right? This is the end of the story. The political cowardice, the negligence, the vicious anti-police rhetoric, the criminal coddling brought
0: us here. So cops are the victims according to Greg Gutfeld. They've been emasculated by the left. Listen, this is exactly what I just talked about. Who do we value? As a society, who does Greg Gutfeld value? Is it Jordan Neely? Because he's demonizing the actual victim here—the dead guy—and if you ask him about the insurrection, well, that was just a tourist event. That was just a just a a trespassing event. Who do we value? It's clear who Fox News and, in this case, specifically who Greg Gutfeld is valuing.
1: Well, and it's also, I know this is controversial with your YouTube audience who doesn't like hearing naughty words, but fuck off, Greg Gutfeld, because he's talking about how there's money for the homeless in this city. Oh, really? So now, now Greg Gutfeld is pro funding programs right. that will help the homeless. Of course. I bet he's just, he's first in line to fund Housing First policies that will support people getting housed with wraparound services to keep them in that housing. I'm sure he's ready to go funding that. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. talking about that every day on Fox Five, Fox and the Friends. Five. Five, the five, the five. He's talking about that every day on the five, I yeah. bet. It's just, it's sickening because we know. <laughs> we know that he 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 doesn't support the policies that would actually benefit homeless people in new york city and yet there he is acting like they have the funding when every, every every day he's making arguments that stand in the way of implementing policies that actually would support people in that position
0: it's also interesting that he is trying to demonize the squad the squad you know the most, what he would consider the most liberal members of the house of representatives as w- what would they do in that moment What would you do in that moment, Greg Gutfeld? What would you do? You tiny, insignificant, physical coward. You would do nothing. That's what you would do.
1: Well, and I think to answer his question that members of the squad like AOC would intervene in a situation that required it because they are compassionate people who have respect for others and i don't think it would end in a murder so
0: well the reason it wouldn't end in a killing or a murder or violence is because violence wasn't necessary in this case the squad would have done something but it wouldn't have been violence because that was unnecessary
1: right but not according to Hannity's audience, no. When when you listen to Hannity giving an overview of the situation with Jordan Neely, just listen to the audience.
6: Take a look at your screen. After making violent threats, acting erratically, a mentally ill homeless guy with a long history of violent crime was, well, subdued by a bystander, a 24-year-old Marine vet. Now, the homeless man, his name is Jordan Neely.
1: Imagine cheering for this situation. Imagine yeah. cheering for this this situation again
0: they're giving the audience permission to be the worst versions of themselves
2: yeah
1: not only
0: that two things he said there are just wildly problematic jordan neely wasn't subdued he was killed he wasn't subdued and the other thing there is no evidence no record no recollections of violent threats We haven't heard that. Even the New York Post, which is owned by the parent company of Fox News, hasn't reported violent threats. He's just making that up out of whole cloth, again, in an effort to give the audience permission to be fucking assholes.
1: Yeah, well, if you have issues with the language that hosts on Fox are using, get ready for Brian Kilmeade
2: you've
3: even
6: been in touch with this person, Brian. He's on the F train, 2.30 in the afternoon, should be fine. But you get on there and there's no cops around. And what happens often, you have a homeless guy, 30 years old. Now we find out he's got numerous prior arrests, uh, offenses including assault, disorderly conduct, uh, uh, beating, trying to beat the fair. And he's also confronted law enforcement in the past. You don't know what's going on. He's sitting there, seeing how this person's throwing garbage and berating. So evidently he uh, gets him in a chokehold submission hold to control the person not to beat him senseless which he clearly could have done 24 years old marine background he decides there's nobody around this guy's not going to get in control i'm worried about the other passengers our own uh, we know what adam what with adam cotz he saw somebody else being intimidated he gets beat up so this guy sits there then a couple of people held him down because he was still screaming by the time they get off on Bleecker street uh he's unconscious and sadly he passes away that wasn't anybody's intention but when you you're in that subway car. It's almost like you're in the octagon. I mean, who's coming for you? You go in between stops. How many? To, how many more victims do we need in in all these cities, especially in the subways in New York, uh, before something like this happens? When you let homeless run crazy, when you never arrest anyone, sooner or later, someone's going to take things into their own hands. But clearly, that wasn't the attention. That is not the attention of getting in a hold like that. That is to control the person. Well,
1: when you never arrest someone he was just talking about how he's been arrested 40 times right I, why it's the the things that they say that doesn't even make sense they're contradicting themselves within 1 minute and he's talking about how it's the octagon i love These conservative men who champion, quote-unquote, traditional masculinity, and yet they are so frail and fragile and vulnerable that someone yelling in their presence or throwing trash in their presence... Throwing
0: garbage and berating are the words he uses. Oh,
1: boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is is a threat right there. Uh, Well,
0: you think Brian Kilmeade takes the subway? (laughs) Do you think Brian Kilmeade, man, traditionally masculine guy... You think he's taking the subway? No,
1: I think he's getting in the octagon.
0: No, the only like he's a guy who'll whine about the smell of urine in the city, it's because he's pissing his pants everywhere he goes because he's so afraid of the dangers. Shut up, you coward. Also, all of the invocation of MMA and hand-to-hand combat talk, the octagon, a submission a, a submission hold Shut up, you smooth-skinned little wuss.
1: Well, I also, I wonder why men are going out into public ready to take people's lives left and right, whether that someone pulled into their driveway or someone rang their doorbell or someone decided to throw trash on the subway and say that they were hungry and thirsty and tired. Uh, I wonder if it's because they're constantly hearing about how dangerous it is to go outside in the big cities on Fox News. Even though Fox News is in New York City and all of those people that are talking about how dangerous it is to go outside in the city, well, they walk up to the doors of the right. building that they work in they're making yeah. it seem like it's a war zone every time they step outside it's a
0: constant diet of fear and uh racial animosity that leads us like we've been talking about over the course of the last few episodes to this this is the byproduct of what their broadcasts do and then did you hear the final words there that sadly he pass- he had passed away right He didn't pass away. He was killed in a chokehold for 15 minutes. You beady-eyed fuck.
1: And again, I, I think it's important to make this connection because I believe there's a connection between conservative media constantly dehumanizing the unhoused and people's perceptions of the unhoused when they then go into public. And I went back to a video I did when I was covering for you on YouTube during your... Your cancer adventure. And uh, <laughs> that's one way to put it.
0: It was an adventure.
1: And this was how they were talking about homeless people in Los Angeles on Fox and Friends almost a year ago. On to the topic Homeless encampments in liberal Los Angeles have a brand new amenity working washing machines. Yes, it's true. Vagrants are setting up oversized tents and boasting about how they can steal water and electricity from the city in order to power their own street laundry service. Um,
0: the situation in, was it Los Angeles? You have to let people hit rock bottom because then they bounce back up. Democrats want to make rock bottom
5: comfortable. Yeah, stay at rock bottom, you know, put a washer dryer, put a wine fridge in there. Yeah,
0: do whatever you need to do. Spread out, spread yourself out. That's the problem. You're actually hurting people by letting them fester and squalor. Don't sit there and let them do this to you because you're not allowed to sleep on
5: public property and you're not allowed to sleep on private property. So get them the hell out of there.
4: One of the huge problems with the law in some of these places, judges, that they allow tents and tents means more permanent. Basically, you're basically going to sit there.
0: So which is it? Is it rock bottom, is it squalor, or is it this luxurious life of having working washing machines?
1: Again, right? Contradicting themselves within one minute. It's ridiculous.
0: Also, it's get ready for this, everybody. The homeless, not only do they want to dignity, they want clean clothes!
1: I know. God damn! The same people who would say, why don't you just go get a job? Well, you know what people need for jobs, right? They need some clean clothes close
0: vile dana perino former press secretary for george w bush vile vile vile
1: well if that is how you feel about that clip it oh, actually <laughs> it actually got worse
5: you can't reason with the unreasonable give them what they want but not in the city the city allows us to happen move it out onto government property and let them run it camp camp away give them the autonomy to truly run their lives into the ground harm each other don't harm us anymore that's what. That's the only thing you can do because it can't get any worse than it is now. you got to move them to a place where they can live their lives. So federally funded opium dens where the homeless can <laughs> kill and each I other. I volunteer as mayor. <laughs> I will be mayor of Opium Town.
1: So this is a conversation about just letting the homeless people go to a certain area and letting them kill each other and then they're laughing about it. And these yeah. are adults. And this is an argument that I heard when I was in high school from the kids that I went to high school with who were indoctrinated by their conservative parents. I mean, I remember, I, I have a vivid memory of it. I don't remember who said it. I wish I did. But in my government class in high school, a kid said that the solution to homelessness is to send all of the homeless people to, a, to an island and then blow it up. Yeah. And this is the level of political analysis that you have on Fox News.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to Fox News for policy prescriptions and deep conversations about what should and shouldn't be done from a, a, a government standpoint, th- this is what you get. Mm-hmm. That opium dens and let them kill each other. I mean, it's giving audiences permission to be the absolute worst versions of themselves and emulating that, giving them the example of how to act and think.
1: And there's been some attempts by conservatives to say, well, liberals' response to this is to say, well, just let unhoused people who are experiencing mental health crises be on the subways, let them be in the streets. And no, that is not what people on the left hopefully are are saying. Hopefully, people on the left, like me, Uh, have been continuously advocating for policies that will benefit the unhoused. Evidence-based policies like Housing First, which provides housing to people and wraparound services to ensure that they stay housed. And we have an affordability affordability crisis related to housing in this country. Which is
0: directly related to a a wage crisis in this country where the federal minimum wage is $7.25 an hour all
1: of this is connected. Absolutely. So there there are actual policies that people want to put into place that would help improve the situation, but conservatives come at it from a point of not believing that, that these people have any worth, not believing that unhoused people have worth, and that they should just be taken from the street, put somewhere... And hidden away from society, so that we don't have to look at them, and that is not a solution. We see that in these uh, homeless encampments, where the the government goes in and tears down these homeless encampments, and literally steals the belongings yeah. from homeless people and puts them into the trash. Takes their entire tent. Remember what Dana Perino was just talking about—a permanent residence, mm, according they have to Dana tents? Perino. Fancy. Yeah. And they throw them in the trash and. That is against the evidence-based policies, the guidelines presented by the federal government, which says if you go into a homeless encampment and you take their belongings and you throw them in the trash, you are removing that problem from that specific area and they are going somewhere else to set up a new camp.
0: Because they're homeless, they don't have a place to sleep other than the public area.
1: Right. So listen, this is difficult and it's going to take time and it's it's going to take a lot more money than is currently being funneled to the issue. And it's going to take a lot of agencies working together. It is very complicated. It's not as though it is simple. But what is simple is that they are deserving of compassion. They are deserving of respect. They should not be choked to death on the subway because they are having a crisis or because they say that they are hungry and thirsty and tired. You know what? I would be hungry and thirsty and tired and I would be fucking angry if I was waking up every day homeless with yeah. no end in sight and every day people pass by me and didn't care if I lived or died and that is what we have all across this country so I do not fault Jordan Neely for being angry I would be angry too and I am angry and I am sad for him and what happened to him
0: we'd love to know what you think 657-464-7609 of course you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at we had other topics planned for the rest of the show, but we're going to end it there. And we really would invite your participation in this conversation. It is important, uh, both because it's not going anywhere, and also because homeless people, poor people, mentally ill people have value. Their lives are valuable. And we will advocate that until the end. Again, I'm going to drop that phone number one more time, 657-464-7609. Email. I doubt it at Dolamore.com. We would invite you to help support and produce the show. You can go to patreon.com/slash I doubt it podcast. That is a fantastic way to help get involved and help amplify what we're doing here, taking part in producing the show. Uh, we will see you next time. Listen, we love you guys. We appreciate the community that is built up around this show, and we never get tired of talking about it. We'll see you next time. Until we do, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt